everyone, before you get started on this episode, I just want to let everybody know that I have renamed the show Historically Haunted, and I also changed up my formula from the episode. So what you're about to listen to is an older version of the show. The new show is a lot better. I hope you guys stick around to listen to the much newer episodes that started at episode 18. Also, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm now at Historically Haunted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you guys want to email me any personal paranormal experiences or just say hi, you can email me now at historicallyhaunted.313 at gmail.com. And I have my links to all my new stuff down below. So I hope you guys enjoy and I hope you guys stick around for the newer stuff. All right, let's roll that old tape. Christmas! Hello, everybody. Welcome to History and Mystery. I am your host, Ariel, and I hope that everyone is having a fantastic holiday season. I got a new job recently, and I've been really sick because I got a new job at a school with a bunch of kids, and they're giving me all these different diseases that I have not had since I was a kid. So I've been really down and out these last couple of weeks, but today I finally feel really good. My voice still might sound a little shaky, but I definitely feel like 90% better than I have this entire month. Because I've been so down and out this month, I really decided that you guys deserve a bonus episode because you guys are awesome and you've been sticking with me this whole time. I'm almost to 2,000 downloads, so thank you guys so much for that. That's a great Christmas present for me. So this episode is going to be a history of Christmas, and you're going to find out there are some extremely spooky traditions that go with this holiday. So sit back, relax, maybe have some peppermint tea or some hot chocolate, maybe some Christmas cookies, and see why Christmas is also quite spooky. Christmas is here. How do you celebrate the holiday season? Do you stay up all night waiting for Santa to come give you presents? Do you go out on solstice walk and pick out a Yule log to burn it in your fire with hopes and dreams of the coming year? Or do you stay inside your home and hide from Odin who is going on his midnight ride deciding who has been bad enough during the year to not live to see the next? Whatever your Christmas tradition, I bet you were not expecting to hear that last one. Christmas is celebrated in different ways all over the world, and it took centuries to shape up Christmas to what we know it today. I have decided to make this fun little bonus episode so that we can discuss the fun history of Christmas and find out together why we leave an offering out for a big guy in a suit on Christmas Eve, we decorate a tree in the living room, and why we hear in the song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year the lyric that says there'll be scary ghost stories. So let's go on a sleigh ride together as we discover the history and mystery of Christmas. Wintertime was feared most by ancient peoples for centuries. Today, most people think Halloween is the scariest time of year, but long ago, wintertime was the most terrifying of all. Winter brought famine and freezing temperatures that would keep most people indoors for long periods of time. 
What a better time than to create a holiday that everyone can look forward to and share inside away from the elements. And a great time of celebration was always the winter solstice, a time to find the light in the darkness. Winter solstice meant the worst of winter was over and the people could look forward to more sunlight and less cold nights. In Scandinavia, the Nordic people celebrated Yule. Yule is celebrated to this day and it starts on the night of the winter solstice through January. The dates vary because the holiday coincides with the winter solstice. This year it began on December 22nd, 2019 and ends on January 2nd, 2020. To celebrate, the families would go out in the woods and bring home what they called Yule logs and they would set them on fire and while they were burning, the family would feast until the logs burnt out. Sometimes this would take several days. The families would sing and tell scary stories, a lot like Sawin, which I covered for the Halloween episode. Again, it's easy to see how they would tell scary stories because death is on the mind because they're afraid that they're not going to make it through these last couple of weeks of winter. Most areas of Europe during this time of year would slaughter their cattle so that they would not have to feed them for the rest of winter. And because they've slaughtered them, they had really fresh meat supplies, so that way they would feast on that. And the best part of all, in my opinion, the wine and beer was about done fermenting during this time. So it was time to really eat all that fresh meat and drink and party down. In Germany, the people there honored the pagan god Odin during this holiday. The Germans believed that Odin would make a midnight ride on his eight-legged horse. Odin is described as a big man with a flowing white beard with an eye patch, and he would lead the hunt and go through the land looking for those who had been bad during the year. People would hide in their homes during the darkest parts of the year in fear that Odin's hunt would bring them misfortune in the coming year, especially if they had been bad. The thought was that he would grab you and drag you down to hell. It was also thought to be a very bad omen if you were caught outside and saw the wild hunt go over you. In many ways, this depiction sounds like a terrifying version of Santa Claus. Some people do think that Odin and his wild hunt were actually the first inspirations for Santa Claus. Rome had a way to celebrate this time of year as well. Rome was lucky enough that the winters were never as harsh as the northern countries. So instead of living during this time of year in terror, they thought, well, we might as well make a really fun holiday that we can all just enjoy and have more fun. The holiday they celebrated was called Saturnalia. This holiday honored Saturn, the god of agriculture. This holiday started started the week leading up to the winter solstice and continued for a full month. And it sounded like quite the party. During this month, food and drink was flowing and the Roman social order was flipped on its head. During this month, slaves became masters, peasants were allowed to run the city, and schools and businesses were closed so that everyone could join in on this crazy fun holiday. Because Romans can never have too much of a good thing, they also celebrated another holiday during this time of year. Juvenalia was a feast honoring the children of the Roman Empire. And the upper class just had to add one more celebration to this crazy long month of celebrating by celebrating the birthday of Mithura, the god of the unconquerable sun. This was a one-day celebration that happened on December 25th. Mithura was an infant god that was born of a rock. For some Romans, this day was the most sacred day of the year. But I bet for most, it was just another day to party down. Sounds like a good time to me. I wish I could go back in time and party with the Romans. Once the birth of Jesus Christ happened and the early years of Christianity began to take shape, Christians only had one main holiday, Easter. The church decided that they wanted to celebrate another holiday, the birth of Jesus. 
The only problem was the Bible does not give any specific date for the birth of Jesus Christ. So Pope Julius chose December 25th. There's a lot of debate amongst historians whether he did this to try to adopt or eradicate the pagan Saturnalia and Yule festivals. Christmas was first called the Feast of the Nativity, and the custom spread very fast. It hit Egypt by 432 and then to England by the end of the 6th century. By the end of the 8th century, even people in Scandinavia had Christmas celebrations in their homes. By having Christmas at the same time as the winter solstice, the church believed that the Christmas would become more popular and eventually phase out what the church believed to be unholy pagan traditions. During the winter months, it was important to remember that the dark would not last forever. Bringing in evergreens and hanging them from your mantles and above your door frames, the pagans believed that this would keep out evil spirits that were wandering in the dark and keep them out of their homes. Mistletoe was considered a sacred plant by the Celts, a plant of fertility by the Greeks, and used in wedding ceremonies in the Roman times. Kissing under the plant was thought to bring the couple good luck and many children. The Christmas tree originated in Germany. I guess the Germans thought, why just bring in a few pieces of evergreen when you can bring in the entire evergreen tree? In the 16th century, devout Christians started bringing in whole trees to decorate inside their homes for Christmas. Most historians believe that Martin Luther, the 16th century Protestant reformer, first added candles to his tree, and the trend took off. But honestly, when I look back at those old Victorian paintings and see the way that there was just a bunch of candles sitting on branches precariously, I just can't help but think how stupid they were because that was so dangerous. Even though they were really pretty to look at, but what a dangerous thing to do. But you can really credit the trend of a Christmas trees in your home with the trendsetter Queen Victoria. In 1846, a December edition of the London News had an illustration of the Queen, her German husband, and their children gathered around a beautifully decorated Christmas tree. With the Queen being so popular, that was all the public needed. If the Queen had a Christmas tree in her palace, so did the public needed one in their house. After this, even in America, Christmas trees and living rooms were here to stay. By the 1890s, companies saw big booms in Christmas ornaments and decorations for trees. Living in America today, it's hard to imagine there not being a Christmas. But in 1620, the pilgrims that came to America with their purest views stamped out the notion of Christmas, claiming the holiday was made up for the Bible never mentioned Jesus' real birth date. From 1659 to 1681, Christmas was outlawed in Boston. Even though in the Jamestown settlement, Captain John Smith did report that Christmas was allowed and enjoyed by all the settlement. After the American Revolutionary War, English customs were not popular in the new American country, so Christmas was not even celebrated for a long time. In fact, Christmas was not declared a federal holiday in the United States until June of 1870. By the 19th century, Americans started to play with the idea of enjoying Christmas again. But they did change the holiday a bit. By instead of making it a big blowout party for weeks on end, they made it more into a small intimate gathering with family and close friends, a day of peace and nostalgia with some presents. The story A Christmas Carol was written by Charles Dickens in 1843. The story's theme was saying how important it is that we have goodwill towards men and the importance of charity. But it is also an extremely scary story, one that goes along with the tradition of telling ghost stories during that time of year. And if you ask me, a scary story with a great Christmas message is honestly the perfect cocktail. The book sold like hotcakes, everyone enjoyed it still to this day, and movies have constantly been made of it. 
My favorite personally is a Muppets A Christmas Carol, but I'm sure there are really good versions out there too. Santa Claus has been celebrated by many different cultures and has many different names. Some of them are good while some, like Krampus, are downright evil. But when you look at the history of Santa Claus, you can see various things pulled from all versions of these stories. Odin's Hunt, for instance, he is not only a big man with a long white beard, but he also has a big horse with eight legs and comes out at night to judge the good and the bad. He brings misfortune to the bad and prosperity to the good. Today, Santa flies on a sled with eight reindeer pulling, named Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, and Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, and Blitzen, not counting Rudolph, of course. But on Christmas Eve, on a midnight ride, he comes and gives coal to the bad kids and gift to the good kids. The actual official legend of Santa Claus is traced back to a real person, a monk named St. Nicholas. He was born in Turkey in 280 AD. Nick gave away all his inheritance and wealth, and he traveled around the countryside helping the poor and the sick. Because of Nicholas' great generosity, he became a patron saint. But there are much darker versions of Santa from Old World folklore. In Central Europe, folklore Krampus, described as a half-goat, half-demon, who goes around the world on Christmas Eve, punishing children who are misbehaving and rewards the good children with gifts. If you are really naughty, he might just pick you up, put you in his sack, and drag you off to the underworld. Then we have the story of King Frost, or Father Frost. This comes to us from a Russian fairy tale. The story goes as follows. Once there was an old woman who had a spoiled and mean daughter that she loved more than anything, and a kind and beautiful stepdaughter who she hated more than anything in the world out of jealousy. One day, she demanded her husband take the stepdaughter out to freeze to death in the woods. The man obeyed and took his beloved daughter to die in the woods. She was left all alone and began to freeze to death when a big man with a huge white beard dressed in fine robes introduced himself as Father Frost and asked if she was cold. The girl was polite and treated the man with true kindness. King Frost was so overcome with her kindness and respect, he wrapped her in a warm coat. Meanwhile, back at the cottage, the wicked stepmother ordered her husband to go back and get the girl's frozen body. But when he returned, she was not frozen. She was happy and more beautiful than she ever had been. And she had so many lavish gifts with her. The stepmother, enraged with jealousy ordered her own daughter to go out to the same location and bring back more gifts than the stepdaughter had. When the girl went out to the same spot, Father Frost came by and asked the girl if she was cold. The girl treated him with no respect and was vile toward him, calling him a fool for asking her such a question. King Frost was so disgusted by this girl's lack of respect that he froze her to death. And when the husband came to collect the little girl, he found her frozen to death. And the mother sobbed on the floor over her daughter's body when he brought her back to the cottage. Now that's a terrifying tale. But you can see how Santa was pulled from all these different stories from around the world. There were so many more I couldn't get into him. But one thing always stays the current theme. Make sure you're nice to him. Leave out cookies for him because you don't want him to think that you're selfishly waiting for those gifts without thinking of him being how tired he is after a long, hard night's work. And remember, he punishes the bad kids but rewards the good. In 1822, Clement Clark Moore wrote a Christmas poem called An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas. Today, it is more famously known as Twas the Night Before Christmas. Thanks to the success of this book, all the children in America at least knew of Santa Claus. 
It also kind of gave a golden rule standard of what to expect and what to do on Christmas Eve. The first modern look at Santa Claus was drawn by Thomas Nast. He sketched a picture of the version that we all know today as Santa Claus visiting troops in the Union Army during the Civil War. The sketch was featured on the cover of Harper's Weekly on January 3, 1863. It was the public's first glimpse of what we all know today as Santa Claus. The Coca-Cola Company also based their Santa Claus version off of Thomas Nast's version. Today, Christmas is more about the commercial goods than it once was, but many old world traditions are still showing through, like Yule Logs, for instance. That is something that you can find even on your TV while Christmas music plays in the background. Many people blend their old world traditions and their modern Christmas traditions together, like hanging mistletoe to keep out evil spirits from entering your home, going on solstice walks to find a Yule log and decorate it up for your fire, decorate the Christmas tree, baking pies, cooking cookies for Santa Claus, of course. And maybe your family has gotten into this new Christmas tradition called Elf on a Shelf. Elf on a Shelf is certainly a new Christmas tradition, but it will certainly not be the last new Christmas tradition. Judging by all the history I just did, everything was new at one point. The idea for Elf on a Shelf actually comes from the owners of the company's uh, family tradition. They would have an elf on their shelf when they were kids in the 1970s, and it wasn't until 2004 that they decided to have everyone try in on the tradition, and they wrote a little book and the little elf to go with it, and it just took off. Like, he's even in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade now, and almost everyone I know does elf on a shelf with their families. It's actually kind of fun. I personally love it. I love to decorate and do fun little gifty items like that, so I would be totally down for elf on the shelf mischief every night. It's actually something that I wish I had growing up, so I'm going to do it for my kids for sure. If elf on a shelf isn't your thing, there are plenty other Christmas traditions for you to do. Whatever your tradition is, I hope that you have a wonderful holiday with your family and friends. I will be back after the new year with more history and mystery. Let me know how your holidays went by using my Facebook group page History and Mystery and tag me on Instagram at History underscore Mystery 13. I hope everyone has a fantastic Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Merry Christmas!